Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good evening, everybody. It's great to be with you here tonight. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. My name's Tim. I'm one of the uh, site leaders here at Ivy, along with a guy called Ollie. I lead uh, Ivy Church Academy that meets in a nightclub in, a student, in the Students' Union up the road, which is crazy and loads of fun, and uh, it's been a crazy adventure the last year and a half. But it's my privilege to be able to speak to you tonight, speak to you tonight on the subject of prophecy. Okay, so. A few months after I became a Christian, or came back to faith, I should say, it was, I was about 25 at the time, um, I joined a church in London, uh, Holy Trinity Clapham, and um, after a couple of Sundays, I got invited along to a small group, and I was like, oh, that's, this is going to be quite cool. I didn't know anyone, though. I didn't know the person who was leading it. I knew, like, one person in the group, so I was a little bit nervous about going, but I went along anyway, and not really knowing what to expect, and when I arrived, everyone just seemed so lovely. Oh, that was so nice. And we had green pesto pasta, and we actually had that every single night for Grow Group, uh, the whole year and a half that I was there, actually. Um, and we worshipped together, and it was all really lovely, uh, until the person leading the small group discussion that night said that what they were going to do was to, uh, each person was going to have five minutes, and everybody else in the group was going to pray and ask God for a word for them, or a verse, or, or, or like a picture or an encouragement. Now, I'd never experienced anything like this before. So I was like, what is this? And I, I remember actually praying, God, if this is not from you, you need to protect me. Because I just felt so vulnerable. I was like, it's a cult. I was convinced. I was just like, it was just, I was catastrophizing. Anyway, but of course it wasn't. It was incredible. And actually, the words spoken to me that night I can still remember to this day, and they've been so encouraging and life-giving ever since. And so it had a profound impact on my life. And as a result, really, I've come to love the gift of prophecy. It's an amazing thing. And I guess in my own walk with Jesus, I want to be a kind of a person who's like listening to God for myself regularly, all the time, as a kind of default mode, and for other people too. And I want to be able to do that regularly and consistently, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So we've been in this series talking about the gift of prophecy, and uh, I mean for several weeks now, probably even months, right? Talking about how we hear God's word, how we discern and know that it's from God. And what I want to talk about tonight and start talking about, and we'll look at it over the next sort of two or three weeks, is how we prepare ourselves to prophesy, how we position ourselves to hear from God. So. A couple of things before I look at how is that first of all is that prophecy is a supernatural gift. It's a gift from God. And so the level of anointing, the power with which we can do that is obviously in the hands of the Holy Spirit. But preparing ourselves is something that is in our grasp and control. And it has a direct impact on our growth in using the gift of prophecy and and, and exercising that gift. The second thing really is that preparation is a lifestyle. It's not a one-off thing. It's not that you do, you prepare because you know you've got something coming up, but really it's preparation is a lifestyle of 
of positioning ourselves to hear from God on a regular basis. Now, obviously, preparing uh, when you know that there's something coming up is a good thing to do. That's better than not preparing at all. But if we're constantly preparing and ready, then we will grab the opportunities that we didn't plan for. Fourth thing is that preparation is like a magnifying glass. I think this is a helpful picture. That it's not that, that actually we don't, it doesn't create more light. God is always speaking and he will speak as he wants to, but it focuses that light and intensifies that which God has given us. And I think fourthly, and this is so important, is that given that prophecy is really simply hearing from God, cultivating a lifestyle of preparation is really a life spent in pursuit of seeking out our Heavenly Father. And that's such a good thing. That actually, it's not to get the word, but it's because we want to be with him, and it's from that place that God speaks, and that we learn to discern his voice and, and, and walk in that more clearly. So tonight, I want to start, I guess, we'll start looking at different ways that we can prepare. I want to start tonight by talking about two things. The first is waiting on God, and the second is prayer. Okay, so waiting on God. Now, waiting on God isn't only, uh, you might think straight away that it's about being still or being quiet, and actually that is what I want to talk about tonight, but really it's about whatever disciplines that you can practice that will slow you down and bring you into an experience of his presence and rest. Now, for me, this does mean being still and quiet, uh, because I'm I'm very loud and talk a lot all the time. On my stag do, we went on a we climbed Helvellyn in the Lake District, and the worst punishment of the whole weekend. I don't know why stags get punished; it just happens. But the worst punishment was um, I had to. Uh, uh, I got a question wrong, and so I had to do a forfeit. And the forfeit was that I had to spend two hours in silence as we climbed Helvellyn together. So literally, we, I, my two-hour period was up about five minutes after we reached the top, and I was like. As the, my, all my mates were talking to each other, I was just like, oh, this is so painful. I just want to speak. <laughs> um, and I suppose it's a bit like with, it can be a bit like that for us in our faith, right? And the things that we do, even the th- things we do with spending time with God is that we can be quite go, go, go all the time, busy, busy, busy. And if we're not careful, that even the things like reading the Bible or praying can become like another thing to do on our to-do list that we fill with our own noise and we blitz past and completely miss the whole point. But actually, we're called to enter into his presence and live from that place. And waiting on God enables us to experience that place powerfully and rediscover it time and time again and live from it. I love what it says in Hebrews 4 verse 1. It says, Therefore, while the promises of entering rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be deemed to have fallen short of it. Or in other words, as someone once said to me, don't get sinfully busy. So, I find that if my prayer time is dominated by anxiety management or worrying about how I'm going to get everything done for long periods of time, this is a good indication that it's time to slow down and to be with God. It's something I've learned from experience. And actually, uh, my mentor shared, I've got a mentor, and he shared this with me recently. It's a little mnemonic uh, called HALT, and it's going to come up on the screen, uh, which is a good test if, if, if it's time for us to slow down. The first is hunger. Do you feel that, what do you feel your time with keeping going? Maybe there's like physical and emotional appetites that just aren't being met. Maybe a sense of feeling that something's missing. Do you find yourself craving things and filling your time with food or sex or entertainment? Is there something that, is there just like a longing that's not being met? Maybe there's like anger, unresolved anger. You find yourself getting moody or resentful. Maybe you find yourself getting lonely. 
Or maybe you find yourself like tired, and it's the kind of tiredness that doesn't really shift after two good nights sleep. You know, it's, it's a deeper thing. Now, of course, there are going to be busy seasons in life, but actually, if we find ourselves triggering some of these uh, areas on a regular basis, it's time to slow down. Now, obviously, slowing down to be with God is not an easy thing to do in our day and age, right? There's always another email, another WhatsApp, another Facebook post, another story. And, and there's always something more. But yet the promise of God is that as we slow down to be with him, we encounter and experience him more fully. I love this verse in Psalm, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10. And it says this, Be still and know that I am God. Like slowing down reminds us that we are not God. It reminds us to stop trying to be God, fighting for control of every situation and every area of our lives and release it to him. Be still and know that he is God. Now, a few months ago, I decided to start practicing the discipline of stillness. It was an alien concept to me. And what I found was uh, I would basically just set a timer on my phone for five minutes and put it on Do Not Disturb. And uh, I had the same picture come to mind every single time. And it was a picture of like a, a heart and it had loads of muscly arms coming out of it. And it was like, it was like holding on to all these different things. And it was, like, uh, it was like different areas of my life. And there was, it was like, just like I was trying to control everything. And actually, there was so much tension in this picture and anxiety in this picture. And I felt like God saying again and again and again, let go. And so I started letting go, and God helped me to do that. And I started to experience a new sense of peace and joy that I'd never really experienced before. And I think I've come to realize and that actually it's like we can't have control and have the things of the Spirit. We have to let go and let God do his work. So Jesus taught something very similar to this in much more amazing words. Uh, using the illustration of a vine, he said that if we remain in him and rest in him, we will bear much fruit. In John 15, verses 4 to 5, it says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's actually, it's like in that place of abiding and resting in him, that he nourishes us and he gives us everything that we need to be fruitful. It might be direction, it might be encouragement, it might be wisdom to know how to deal with a particular situation. It might be an experience of his love in some kind of way. And our job really is to stay connected. It doesn't come naturally. It takes time and practice. But that's good news because it means this is something we can learn. This is something we can learn to do. And so I guess I just wanted to share some practical pointers on how we can practice waiting on God. Firstly, I guess what it, what it is not, and, uh, which is it's not like mindfulness. It's not just emptying our head of all of our thoughts. Stillness is the practice of deliberately and consciously acknowledging and coming into the presence of God and fixing our thoughts on him and letting him fill our mind. So how can we do that? Well, actually, I guess uh, the, one way that we can do that is to actually put the time in our day to do that. It might be, like I suggested, maybe setting a timer for five minutes or ten minutes and just sitting in silence before God. Maybe between finishing work and coming home or at the end of the day when everything is done before you go to bed. And the second thing is really important is be absolutely ruthless with your distractions. 
Okay, turn your phone off, put it on silent, flush it down the toilet, whatever you have to do, be absolutely ruthless because it's literally, it's always there for me. I have to put it even in another room sometime. Now, what you may find that as you start to do this, what I found, is that at first, it might feel a bit foolish and restless. You might feel a bit like you want to do something. Okay, fight that urge. You may find that that you become suddenly aware of a sense of like anxiety or worry that's kind of been there all along, but because we've been so busy, we're not even really aware of it. Uh, you may find that memories or conversations that you've had from that day or the day before come into your mind with real clarity. And actually, it's, it's those things that we haven't processed that start to come up, but that's okay. Hand them over to God. But slowly but surely, as that passes, you'll find more and more that you experience his peace and his rest and his presence, and that will overflow into all the rest of your life. So if we want to grow in our prophetic gift and the ability to hear God's words and cultivate a lifestyle of preparation, then the discipline of slowing down to come into tune with him and to his pace will help us all the more hear his voice. Okay, so the second thing I want to talk tonight about, tonight, sorry, is prayer. Now, we've just said that waiting on God is the discipline of slowing down to consciously acknowledge his presence and come into it. And I want us to have that in mind as we think about prayer. I guess that we could think of prayer as being like a shopping list or an SOS every once in a while. Kind of like the relationship I had with my parents when I was at university. I'd call them up every three weeks because I needed a new cash injection or because I felt guilty that I'd not spoken to them in a while. And my mum was like, we haven't really heard from you. Now, my parents still love me and provided for me, but you wouldn't say that I was particularly close to them at the time, right? Okay, but I think that that can uh, um, impact the way that we think about prayer. Our prayer lives can be like that sometimes. But if that's all it is for us, then we're missing out. Now, God God is so kind, and he always answers our prayers. And and to be honest, so much of the time, I do pray SOS prayers, because it's the only way I can get through a day. Um, because I need him so much. But actually, there's so much more to prayer than that. So I was, doing some, uh, I was doing a word study this week, and I discovered that the Greek word prayer come, uh, is prosukomahi. Okay? Prosukomahi. Let's say that together, shall we? Prosukomahi. <laughs> the first word pros means towards or exchange. And uh, so it's... Uh, uh, yeah, towards or exchange. And eukomahi is a verb which means wish or desire. So at its deepest level, the word prayer means an exchange of desires. So it's like in prayer, we exchange our desires for his desires. Prayer is the place that we come humbly before God and confess that we need him. And as we do that, we find that he raises us up, fills us with faith and his priorities, and helps us to see things from his perspective. And that perspective, God's perspective, makes all the difference. Let me give you an, an illustration, okay? So, uh, there, this is, can anyone tell me what this mountain is? Go on, back yourself. It is Everest, yeah. Okay, now, when we, I was looking at that at the first, I thought, that's not actually that impressive. It doesn't look that big. But I've done a... Uh, um, like an expanded view, that, like little specks you can see at the bottom, that's a village of tents at Everest Base Camp. And from where they are to the top of the screen is three kilometers. It's absolutely enormous. Okay, so let's change the perspective. Next slide. 
Okay, this is Everest from space. Okay. Doesn't look so big now, does it? And actually, like when we come to God in prayer, it's like he raises us up. In the Bible, it says that we're seated with him in the heavenly realms, and he invites us to come up with him and to see things from his perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that it changes necessarily, but we see things differently. Now, the next thing to say really about prayer, and by the way, I'm no expert on prayer. I'm just learning like everybody else, right? But the really important thing to say about prayer is that it is a two-way conversation. So often, I come to God in prayer, and I'm like, and I say all of this stuff, and then after half an hour, on a good day, I'm like, God, I just feel like I'm not really hearing from you right now. <laughs> it's like, it can't get a word in edgeways. Now, when I used to work in sales, we had, uh, we had this saying, in, when you're in companies, there has all of this corporate stuff, that you have all these like, expressions, but one of the things I used to say all the time was you have two ears and one mouth, so when you're with a customer, use it in that proportion. And actually, I think that's really helpful for us when we come to God in prayer. That is, even as we're speaking to him, it's being expectant that he wants to speak to us too. Now, I think uh, you can do this really simply. And the thing that I uh, find really helpful is, that even, is to have like, um, a notepad or a journal with us so that as we're praying, we can write down things that come to mind. It might be pictures or words or a sense of something. And actually, even just having that there, it says to God that I'm expecting that you're going to speak and I'm going to value it when you do. Now, if you find that you don't get anything or don't hear anything when you're praying, that's okay. You haven't failed. Just keep, just keep listening. Okay, so what does this all have to do with prophecy? Well, through prayer, we grow in our relationship with the Father. And it's, it's like we exchange our desires for his and our perspective for his. And through prayer, we grow in becoming more and more familiar with the leading of the Holy Spirit and his prompting. Now, if our prayer life is only a shopping list or an SOS once in a while, we're not going to develop that deeper sense of his presence and we'll struggle to hear his voice when it comes to those opportunities to prophesy. Now, I think one thing that I've come to realize about cultivating a life of prayer is that the biggest barrier is that we don't know how to. That's certainly my experience. Now, I often find that I'll sit down to pray and I think, okay, right, what am I doing now? Do you ever get that? No? Yeah? Maybe? Okay, so recently I discovered something absolutely incredible that's completely changed my prayer life, which is amazing. And... Uh, and, and so much so that I genuinely can't remember how I used to pray before I discovered it. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? It's the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> in, Luke's Gospels, in, chapter 11, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, how do you pray? Teach us how to pray. So if you're a Christian and you want to learn how to pray, you're in really good company. If you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can learn how to pray too. This is good news. And Jesus says this to them, when you pray, say. Now, we call this the Lord's Prayer, and you can call it that if you like to, but actually, I find it more helpful to think of it as the disciples' prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. And um, it's going to come up on the screen, and uh, it says this. And you know, many of you will know this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Now, 
I used to, when someone said, talked about the Lord's Prayer, my immediate thought was I was, the, the place I was transported to was being back at school in a school assembly where for some reason at primary school they made us say it all the time. Um, it was a good thing to do, but we kind of just rattled it through and the only thing that would happen is you would wait to see if half the class said sins and half said trespasses. And it, and it was like, and you just, you just goof about with it. Or I'm in like a really serious moment in a church service and everyone stands together and says it in a very serious voice. And, uh, you know, I recently heard someone say that they pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And I was like, really? Why? I don't really understand how that is. But Jesus didn't really have that in mind, I don't think, when he taught us to pray this way. It's not, it's not a prayer just to kind of be repeated em- endlessly and aimlessly. Actually, it's more like a map to a destination. And what Jesus is doing is pointing out key stops along the way. Or... Or like reading a newspaper, it's like the headlines, but it's not the whole story, okay? And so really what I'd love to do tonight is to share with you what I've learned about how this prayer can become a model for our own. And um, uh, I've uh, been using, um, I've been doing a whole load of reading on it in the last few months, and so I'm really excited to be able to share this with you tonight. And there's a book in particular called Could You Not Tarry One Hour?, by Larry Lear, and, and he has this prayer guide in the back of it. And I've kind of done a whole load of reading, so I've updated it a little bit, and uh, not the Lord's Prayer, but you'll, you'll see what I mean in a second. I've not updated the Lord's Prayer. I would not be so bold or arrogant to do that. Okay, so um, Elle and Rebecca, if you could pass out a copy of this. Okay. Now, if you want to read more about the Lord's Prayer, I don't have time to teach on the Lord's Prayer tonight. I, I feel like I've got so much more to learn about it before I'd want to do that necessarily myself anyway. But if you want to read more on the Lord's Prayer, on the, sec- on the back side of the sheet, I've put some recommended reading. And obviously there's loads more books about it. But re- to be honest, this one is, is the kind of thing that you learn best by doing, okay? So, it's pulling together, Jesus is teaching from Matthew 6 and Luke 11. I've also put some other verses in there that are promises of God that help us to pray because it's God's promises that are the basis of prayer, okay? Now, you might be looking at that and think, oh my goodness, that's quite daunting. There seems like a lot, but trust me, this is the kind of, even with all of what is here, I promise you, you can pray through this in 10 minutes or two hours or five days, depending on what you want to do, and find that whether it's been 10 minutes or longer, that you've been able to pray for pretty much anything you could ever want to pray for, okay? And so what I'd love to do is just, to, we're going to just go through this and, and I'm going to explain how this can be a way of helping us to develop our life of prayer. Now, the first thing you'll see is that at the top, I've put, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think that's a really good way to start praying. It's to ask the master to teach us how we can pray, to ask Jesus himself. Um, and then Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray, our father in heaven. Now, I think we stop here. Because the first thing to say is that it is an extraordinary thing that we can call God Father. It's only because he gave his one and only son, laid down his life for us, and we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we can come into God's presence with boldness and confidence, whatever situation we're in, and experience him and come to him in prayer. So I'd say, first of all, it's a good thing to thank him for that. That's an incredible thing. 
Now it says as well in Psalm 100 that we enter his courts with praise, no, enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving. So what are the things that you're thankful for? How can you praise God? That's a great way to come into his presence. And then just the thing that I've added here is this prayer, God, show me your glory and show me the wonders of your great love. It's like a prayer of saying, God, you know, our Father, I thank you that I can call you Father. These are all the things that you've done for me. This is why you're so good. And I want to know more of who you are. So that's our Father in heaven. The second thing is, uh, hallowed be your name. Now, I've put in brackets, on earth as it is in heaven, because actually those three phrases, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done, are all on earth as it is in heaven. So it's like, hallowed be your name, on earth as it is in heaven. And this prayer is actually, it's a declaration. It's like saying, be hallowed your name. It's like, be, be loved, be revered. Let it be so that in, on earth, just as it is in heaven, that on the earth, that men and women would love and adore and, and delight in your name because you are so good. And uh, I've listed out on here different names of God that are appear in the Old Testament. That actually, even as we're thanking God, that we're praying that his name would be hallowed and loved on the earth as it is in heaven, we're reminding ourselves of who our God is, that he is the God who provides, that he is the God who heals, that he is our banner, that he is our victory, that he's the one that makes us holy, that he's with us that he is our peace and our shepherd and our righteous saviour. And often what you'll find is that particularly as you're praying, that one of those names, and there are so many more, but one of those names will resonate with you because that is what you need at that time. And then the, finally, to pray, Father, glorify your name. Just as Jesus prayed, glorify your name. Let it be exalted in all the earth. Um, okay, so then naturally, the next thing then is your kingdom come, your will be done. And really... It's starting with ourselves. Um, can I just have a copy of this one? Because I've written all over mine. Um, uh, starting with ourselves. It's praying, Lord, let your kingdom come and you will be done it, as yours for ourselves. So in my life, in maybe different areas of my life, that you're praying for God's will to be done. And then kind of moving in outward circles. You can pray for your family, for your spouse, for your children, other family members. Moving out to pray for friends or colleagues and other relationships people you want to come to know Jesus, to pray for your work, your church, pray for your church, pray for your church leaders, and to all to the nations, and we're praying that even this starting with me and to the whole of the world, let your kingdom come. Now, you very quickly, you could see that that could take a whole lot of time, okay? So uh, I know that Becky chooses like a different thing on different days that she's going to pray into, or there might just be just a few things you want to pray. It's a guide. It's not a law. It's, it's just if it helps, okay? And, and again, once you've done that, you'll find that you've pretty much prayed for most of the things you'll need to pray for. Then, once we've done that, after we've focused on God and first prayed that his name would be glorified, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we can turn to our own needs. And by that point, we've focused so much on who God is that actually when we come back to what we need to pray for for ourselves, we're coming at it with a very different perspective. Okay, the first thing to say is this, is to believe that God's will is to prosper you. Now, I don't mean to make you a billionaire, but I mean to bless you and to provide for you everything that you need. Because if you believe that, you'll come with confidence that he will actually answer the things that we need. And so an encouragement there to be bold, to be specific, and to be persistent. I've, I actually find that in this space here, I've written down 
some of the things, I had to do a new sheet, I had to get a new sheet because I, I ruined the last one with notes and spilling coffee on it. But I found that as I'm praying and going through this, and praying through the things that I'm asking for, and it could be anything, it could be, um, do you need inspiration for a piece of work you've got to do? Do you need help with a friendship? Do you, do you need like a holiday? I mean, it's like whatever you do you need, write it down. I love that, I find it so challenging that in the book of James, he says, um, he says, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. And Jesus says, ask anything in my name. And okay, we, you know, if we ask for a Lamborghini, he might give you a Lamborghini, but it's not really those kinds of things. It's like, as we've already come into alignment with his will and praying that his will be done, and it's like, ask anything in my name according to my will and it will be done. So it's like, if you need anything, just ask for it, anything at all. And you'll find that as you go through, day after day, you'll find that God does answer some of those things. And I've got so many stories about that, which I don't have time for, unfortunately. And you can tick them off as you go along. Okay, so, and it builds our faith. Okay, let's turn over to the other side. The next thing is to ask for forgiveness. Now, I think it's amazing that we can come to God to ask him for the things that we need before we're, like, technically right with him. Because it's daily bread before forgiveness. Do you know what that is? That's the grace of God. Okay, so anyway, we ask for our own forgiveness. So it's asking God to forgive you. Now, I actually find it helpful because I think I'm perfect, by the way. So I don't need forgiveness for anything. So I actually find it helpful to ask God to show me if there's anything that I need forgiveness for. Yeah. So in Psalm 139, it says, Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. So I find it helpful to pray that. And it's like, as you're doing that, just ask God, is there anything that you need forgiveness for? And you don't need to force it. You don't need to like think, oh, where have I been bad? No, just ask and let the Holy Spirit illuminate it. And anything that comes to mind, you can just ask for forgiveness. The second thing then is really to say, to forgive, to think through who do we need to forgive and to release others and to set our hearts to forgive anyone who will sin against us or grieve us or offend us in some way that day. Now, I love that in, um, I love this prayer in Psalm 19. Again, you don't need to use it every day, but I find it helpful. But it's like, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And I just think that's so, such a helpful prayer. It's like, I don't even know where I'm messing up half the time, but I need your help with that too. And then, has it got a, a scripture from Luke 7 on there? I don't know. I've got, I don't know. I've got like four different versions of this printed out. It's not very helpful. Okay, so that's forgiveness. Um, and then the next thing after we've asked for forgiveness is, is God, lead us not into temptation. Now, temptation, the, the word that's translated temptation here can, be, can actually be translated two ways. That's the one I want. It can be tempt, uh, translated two ways. Temptations or trials. And so temptations are the things that we know well about. The temptation to get angry, to lust, or to be jealous, or gossip, or to compare ourselves, or to be prideful, all these kinds of things. We can ask for God's help because it's hard to resist those things. Well, I find it hard. And, and so we can ask for God's help with that. And the second thing is that actually to keep us from trials because life is hard sometimes. And actually, I don't want to go through hard times. And actually, if we're praying for God, if we're praying that God will keep us from trials, that actually we know that He'll be present in the ones that we do experience. And I love that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, no trial has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And it says that he will give you what you need to endure and to show you the way out. So I, I pray that. That's good. Help me to endure it and show me the way out. And then almost finally, he says, 
uh, Jesus teaches us to pray to deliver us from the evil one because we do have an enemy. And so this is a really good time to pray through the armor of God, which you'll find in Ephesians 6. And I love that it says, to finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so there's a few things we can pray from this passage that comes later in Ephesians 6. We pray for the power, and it's power to do everything that God has called us to do. It's power to take our stand against the devil's schemes, and it's his power, not our own power. And then we pray through the belt of truth. Now, I find that belt of truth is the first thing that goes on because it holds everything else together, okay? And the truth is, firstly, of who God is, and we've, we've, kind of, we've talked about that quite a bit. But I just pray and I say, God, I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you that you're my father. I thank you that you're my friend. You're my savior. You're my encourager, that you're with me, that you'll help me, that you love me. Then I say, thank you that I'm yours, that I belong to you, that I was bought at a price. I've got nothing to prove to you or to anybody else. I'm loved. I'm, I'm clean. I'm, I'm perfect in your eyes. I'm a child. I'm chosen. And then we can say, and I, and I also remind myself of the truth of who, what he's called me to do. And I find that so helpful to remind myself every single day. And then the breastplate of righteousness. And I love the prayer from Psalm 51 that says, create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not take me from your presence or remove your Holy Spirit from me, but renew me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I find that such a helpful prayer to pray, to give us a pure heart. And it's also that actually this righteousness is not us getting it all right, but the breastplate that covers our hearts is the fact that Christ became sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are literally the righteousness of God in Christ. That's awesome. Let that guard your heart. It's then the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I pray, God, would you use me today to make known the mysteries of the gospel. Help me, Lord, to live it out and to speak it out. The shield of faith, it says in Psalm 5.12 that the, the Lord surrounds his righteous ones with his favor as a shield. We've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. That means we have the favor of God on our lives. And I pray for that. And I think about different situations that I'm in. And I just pray for favor. And, I pray for, and, and, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what I pray for. And then in Galatians 2.20, it says, The life that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And it's that I'm living by faith, and that's my shield. And the helmet of salvation is that I take captive every thought and make it obedient to you today, Lord. I have the mind of Christ. And I pray, Lord, may I not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of my mind. And then the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God that's sharp, that's alive and active and sharp and double-edged sword. Give me your words today. And I pray for discernment too, that I would discern what it is that God is saying and, not, and be able to take my stand against the devil's schemes. And then finally, because we are weak human beings, we still need God's protection. And it says in Psalm 91 that if we put our hope in him, that he will protect us and he will uh, send his angels concerning us and he will show us long life and his salvation. So we can pray that. And then finally, after all of that, we can pray for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. So, I, honestly, you, uh, as I've been using this as a model for prayer in this way, I, like I said, I found that I can get through this in 10 minutes if I've only got 10 minutes, or if I've got longer, then it kind of works itself out. And, and also, um, it's quite good to think about it as like, uh, wherever you finish, if you don't have time to get through it all, to put like a bookmark in to that verse and come back to it later. Does that kind of make sense? Great. So, okay, what does this all have to do with prophecy? Well, I've been talking about how 
as we learn to wait on God, we slow ourselves down and come into the, and acknowledge his presence. We come into an experience of the Father and learn to hear his voice. And in prayer, we cultivate that posture of exchanging our desires for his, for his and learning to hear from him. And this prayer if we want to grow in our discerning of the voice of God and our time of intimacy with him in prayer, that this is a really good way of learning how to do that. And so I love that Jesus taught his disciples this way of praying. Because like someone said this to me recently and it blew my mind. It's that through Jesus, we can have the same relationship, the same special relationship with the Father that Jesus had. And actually this can be a way of helping us to grow in that. Okay, so... What I thought we could do is to go through this together and to take some time to practice the things that we've just been talking about. Does that make sense? So um, I just invite uh, Paul to come up. And what we'll do first is um, I'd like to set like a little timer and for two minutes I'd like us to, to be still before God and just to close our eyes and, and to relax you might find that as you, as, you, as you close your eyes and become aware of your body, you feel tense or anything, but just, just relax. And to set your, um, I guess to focus on him. And it might be that a verse is helpful. To do that, I find that um, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, is a helpful verse that just helps me to focus on God. And then what I'm going to do is, and then for us to go through together, is that then I'll say, um, our Father in heaven... And I'm just going to give us a minute for each of these lines. And you can uh, use this if you find it helpful. Or um, maybe there's just some other things you want to talk to him about. And we're just going to go through it over, over a few minutes. And then we'll finish. Does that sound good? Okay. Um, I'm going to pray for us before we start. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're here. And that you love us. And you want us to experience you and meet with you and that you're always speaking. And I pray, Father, that uh, just as we take this time now, that we would come into your presence. We acknowledge your presence here, Father. And we ask that you would lead this time of prayer. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. Okay, so I'm going to give us a couple of minutes before we start. be your name.
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptations or trials.
God, deliver us from the evil one. And what I'd like you to do is, at this point now, if we could stand if you're able, and we're going to pray through the armor of God together. Okay. It says, put on the full armor of God. Okay, so first of all, the belt of truth. Now let's pray for the power. Why don't I just invite you to put your hands out. Just ask for God's power. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And Jesus promised that he would give us his power, that we would be his witnesses and take our stand against the devil's scheme. So Lord, we ask for your power. Would you fill us with your power in Jesus' name? And let's put on the belt of truth. I want to imagine, uh, if it's helpful, I find it helpful, to imagine the belt around your waist. Just take a moment to remind yourself of the truth of who God is, who you are in him, and what he's called you to do. and then put on the breastplate the righteousness of Christ creating us a pure heart God and renewing us the joy of your salvation Lord thank you that because of Jesus we are the righteousness of God in Christ that no accusation stands in Jesus name who is it that accuses no one who is it that condemns no one? God is the one who justifies. And put, off, put on the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the sandals of the gospel. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Father, open our mouths that we would be bold in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen King. Lord, I pray that the words would be given to us, that we will fearlessly declare the mysteries of the gospel take up the shield of faith that extinguishes the darts of the enemy. Imagine a big shield around you. The shield of faith that saves us and covers us from the fiery darts of the enemy that comes to accuse and condemn and discourage those that God has called. We say we don't have to listen to that voice in Jesus' name. And imagine putting on the helmet of salvation we have the mind of Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, thank you that your words have power. Pray that we may know them and use them in faith. And we pray, Father, for discernment that we would be able to see what's really going on help us to see what's really going on Father that we may take our stand against the enemy's schemes and Lord I want to pray for protection for all of us from the enemy because we have made you our dwelling place you say I will keep you and satisfy you with long life and then finally let's declare this last line together 
For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.